Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kate Ballou, and my co-host, Kristen Lizenby. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lizenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. This is the third episode in our witchy business series, where we talk to women and witches who are also running their own companies and working intuitively in business. Last week, we talked to Kara Kovacs, and today, Lorraine from Spirit Element is here with us. Welcome, Lorraine. Hi, thank you for having me. We are so happy that you're here. Um, And before we begin our conversation, just a little bit about Lorraine and her work. Lorraine Anderson is a tarot reader, astrologer, spiritual teacher, writer, and soul-based entrepreneur. Her work focuses heavily on sacred and intentional living, as well as using spiritual practices as a pathway for profound healing, growth, and transformation. She is heavily influenced by her diverse lineage, bringing together healing practices from her ancestors in a practical, updated way. She owns and operates Spirit Element, a soul-based apothecary made with stardust, which provides private label development and supplies for spiritual-based businesses, and the School of Sacred, an online sanctuary to support you in defining and developing your authentic spiritual practice. Lorraine currently lives in Los Angeles, California. You can find Lorraine's work also in the Seasons of the Witch, Samhain Oracle, Affirmations, Words of Inner Wisdom, the Earth Craft Oracle, Seasons of the Witch, and the Yule Oracle, and coming in 2022, Seasons of the Witch, Beltane Oracle, Happiness, Words of Inner Joy. Amazing. Lorraine, it's so great to meet you. I know. I feel like we're all one big, happy family community online, slowly meeting each other for the first time. Yeah, it's exactly. so true. <laughs> um, for us and for our listeners, what are your big three in astrology? Okay, so I am a sun sign Scorpio, moon sign Pisces, and rising Capricorn. Amazing. We have a lot of um, Scorpio Capricorn love Mm -hmm. on this podcast. Oh, really? (laughs) Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and can you tell us a little bit about your work and your practice? Yeah, so my... um... My work is my work and my practice are really very similar. They're very much the same. Um, I was really fortunate to a long time ago, which seems like ages ago, I set an intention for a job and I found exactly the sort of job I was looking for. Didn't know it was going to be magical or intentional or any of that, but I showed up and it kind of just changed my life. And I met this woman named Athena who really introduced me to spiritual living and magical living and doing it as a business. So, so much of what I do spiritual wise taps into what I do business wise, because I really want people to understand that living intentionally and, 
and taking responsibility for your life and what you're doing is such a blessing and being able to say, you know, I'm flawed, but I'm also working on being the best version of myself possible. So I just try and bring all of that from my personal practice into my business with everything and teach people how to find that little bit of sacredness for themselves. And leave it to someone named Athena to be the catalyst for that. It's like (laughs) too perfect. I know, right? It, It, the way that it happened was kind of bizarre. I love telling the story because literally when I found the job listing, I think it was like two paragraphs, like literally nondescript at all. And I kind of just took a leap and it ended up being perfect and changed my whole life. I mean, everything that I have as of, as of right now, um, business-wise is a, really a result of just following that intuitive ping and running with it. And now, you know, fast forward almost a decade later and I have decks and a company and, and another huge project in the work. And it's, such a blessing. I'm so grateful. And that's why I feel like all of this is my business for life because everyone else can have these blessings too, with a little bit of spirituality in their lives. I think that's such a beautiful message too. And we've been chatting with our guests about the word witch lately. Does the word witch resonate with you in your business and your personal life? It does. Um, I call myself a witch, But to be honest, at first, when I started my business, I really struggled with it because it is kind of a dirty word to some people. Actually, I remember when I first started my business, I had witch on my business cards and I was talking to this woman about my business and she was so engaged in it. And then I gave her my business card and she looked at it and she looked at the word witch and she turns it around and she goes, is this word correct? And I said, yes, it is. And she was like, Oh, and you know, stone cold face. It was like night and day. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that was like maybe in the first couple of months of my business. So it was really traumatizing. So for the first couple of years, I really shied away from it thinking like, oh my God, if I say this word, people are not going to be receptive to it. But then after a while, I came to realize that really, you know, this is who I am. This is what my business is. I can't hide from it. And then of course, when I published my first deck, which is called Seasons of the Witch, it was like, okay, well, it's out in the world now. So, (laughs) um, you know, I kind of just got to run with it. And now I really love calling myself a witch and kind of seeing how people react because, Mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is. You can't or you shouldn't try and say that there's something wrong with me because I identify with that word. And I think it's something that a lot of people identify with. That's certainly something I'm coming to understand. As I say, I'm a witch more. I have a lot of people that say, you know what, me too. And I've just Mm -hmm. kind of been afraid to say it. And I'm like, I'm glad you said it because now I feel like I can say it. So every time that I feel like I own that word, I'm giving space for someone else to do the same. And, you know, slowly as we all do that, the world will eventually become more receptive to it, at least in my opinion. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have um, a sticker on the back of my computer here and it says, I'm a motherfucking witch. And I remember sitting in a cafe here in, in Brooklyn and a woman came in off the street and was like, excuse me. And I was like, yes. And she was like, your computer. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> I was just like the most dramatic reaction. Um, but yeah, thinking about that as like a way to like illuminate and build more spaciousness, I think is really beautiful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we just have to, we have to be authentic, right? The more we can be authentic, really the more we provide space for everyone else to do the same. And it's not like we're pushing it on anyone. It's just allowing room for people to resonate with it. 
and to find a space and to find a group of people who understand. And as long as we can continue to do that without forcing our beliefs on other people, you know, I think it's a beautiful word to toss around. I I hope, I hope more people feel comfortable using it. And a reclamation, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. embody your witchiness and your intuition in your business? You know, it's kind of challenging in the business world to be intuitive. Um, I think because for me, the way that I operate is that, you know, if I receive an intuitive message, like if something's not aligning with me, I just can't continue to use that thing or to prep, um, to like, move forward with that thing that's really going against what I feel in my soul. And that's not uh, very welcome in the business community. You know, people love for you to do things in a certain way and to really continue things once you've started. And I think, um, I think just, just, that's just a terrible way to operate. That's how we have people who are stuck in bad relationships or stuck in terrible jobs or, you know, stuck doing things that they really hate and that's slowly killing them day by day. So for me, showing up intuitively is just acknowledging that things are going to change and things for me are going to change. And as a result, things for my business are going to change. And even though I know it doesn't make everyone happy, I can't sell a lie, you know, like I can't put a lie out into the world. So just being authentic to myself, even if everyone thinks it's crazy, is probably the biggest way that I can see spirituality showing up in my career, in my business. And sometimes things don't need an explanation, right? Like they just are. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. You know, sometimes they don't need an explanation. And more to the point, like, I think we always feel the need to explain when we want to change something or when something happens. And it's just like, you know, this is just how it happened. It's not meaning to be disrespectful to you. It's just, you know, I've got to go in a different way. And I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's really empowering too, I think, in some ways. It's like, I know my work and myself enough to follow that thread regardless. And also too, for a long time, I would say, you know, I'm going to be like the spiritual version of Coca-Cola. You know, I'm going to be this huge, gigantic brand. And it's not that I don't want to be, but also having to really identify what that looks like for me. And if that's something I really want, I say this all the time. There's a like the spiritual hustle in the spiritual community is a real thing. Like everyone's trying to grow into these mega brands and everyone doesn't need to be a mega brand. Like it's totally fine if that's what you want, but it's also totally fine if if you don't want that. And I think over the course of my business, I've really had to ask myself those questions, those like somewhat existential questions of what do I want my business to be like and who do I want to be in my business? So I have these moments of reflection and contemplation that I I do a lot with my business work. And it's not, um, it's, it's just completely different from the way that businesses traditionally run. You know, businesses don't really take time to do soul work. And I believe my business has a soul. So I have to do the soul work for it too, not just for myself. Yeah. Did you do the birth chart for it? I did. Yeah, um, I love that. I love that too. You know, I it's such a fun concept. Um, it can quickly get overwhelming up for a while. It's like I'm going to do a birth chart for everything, but for sure for my <laughs> for my business, I definitely wanted to do it because I, you know, whether you believe this stuff or not, whether you believe in witchcraft or not, 
businesses really do have their own voice and message and they kind of operate as their own beings. I mean, we call them an entity, just like we would call, you know, like a person an entity. And we have to understand that our business has its own soul that goes around and knowing it from an astrological perspective is really fun because you get to really approach it as though you're approaching a person and speaking to it as though it has feelings and thoughts and in ways that it's communicating to the world that may be very different than you communicate in your regular life. That's important too. Yeah. And viewing it as an entity can kind of help build like a healthy boundary or like a separateness to be like, this project has its own mission that might be separate from a soul mission or its own emotional body or any of this. Exactly. And, you know, I love too that you, that you said it's separate from a soul mission, because I always think when you think of soul purpose, you think it's related to your career. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, your soul purpose can be something completely separate from your career and your career is just something that you do. It's just a part of a bigger story. Um, And it, I think it relieves some pressure too, is when you have this feeling where you're not dissolving yourself into your business. You know what I mean? I think entrepreneurs tend to do that. Like we see ourselves Mm -hmm. as our business and really our business is just a part of who we are and they can be separate without us having to give our whole lives over to it. Self-care in business is so important. Just throwing that out there. Do you have any, any tips for listeners who might be struggling with that? Set boundaries. I think that's Mm -hmm. the most important thing is respect your own time. I'll never forget this. My therapist told me once and she, you know, she's a self-made entrepreneur and she's so spiritual. And she said, you know, it's not about other people respecting your time. It's about you respecting your time and saying, okay, if this is the time that I have for this, this is the time that I have for this. And I have to stand up for myself and my boundaries and not give that away to other people. Um, And since I've been doing that, it's really changed the way I operate in business altogether. I have less anxiety. I have less feelings of overwhelm. I'm not feeling like I have to answer an email at midnight. Just having those boundaries and saying, okay, when I leave my warehouse at the end of the day, I'm leaving work behind and it'll still be there in the morning. Um, So if you're starting a business, do that from the beginning. It's like structure your day from the beginning. It's going to really, really help. I I remember that internet meme going around not too long ago and it was like, don't confuse people's availability with their free time. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Kate and I actually just did an episode on boundaries um, just a little while ago. And, you know, we were talking about how that is something that we are working on in our own lives um, personally and magically So do you have any like magical tips for setting boundaries, like any crystals or any, um, any other practices that you like to use? I do. I love using the bubbling technique where you imagine a bubble around you with Mm -hmm. a mirrored surface on the outside. And it doesn't matter if you're like in front of a person or if you're reading an email, if I feel really stressed and overwhelmed or anxious, I love to just throw up, like close my eyes and imagine a bubble and just creating this safe space for myself um, and kind of just deflecting their energy because, you know, it doesn't matter if they're in front of you as magical beings. We know that energy comes through in an email or a text message Mm -hmm. too. So having that bubble to just say, okay, you know, I'm shielding myself. I'm going to take a moment to breathe really helps me when I'm feeling anxious and overwhelmed. And then, um, 
I always keep smoky quartz with me. I love smoky mm-hmm. quartz. I know it's kind of like too. a basic crystal, but I just mm-hmm. love the vibe of it. And especially on days when I'm really stressed out, I'll wear like three or four smoky quartz bracelets just to protect my energetic frequency, just so that people are kind of like deflected a little bit. Um, and I recommend that to everyone. I think smoky quartz is so great. Smoky quartz and rutilated quartz together is my favorite crystal combination by far. And it's so good for boundaries. I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> I love the idea of like a mirrored surface around you too. Like I haven't heard anyone describe it like that before. And I love mirror work and like mirror gazing. So yeah, I really like that description. Yeah, I I think the mirror is so important because it's not just about creating a boundary, but also sending their shit back to them, right? Like mm-hmm. if someone's coming to you with like, anxious energy or just making you feel some kind of way, having the mirror just send that back to them so that they can get a little bit of their own energy, I think really helps people to subconsciously understand that sometimes they can be a little toxic Um, because we have, you know, we're collecting energy all throughout the day. And sometimes someone is going through life doing something and not realizing how toxic they may be or how their energy may be affecting others. And they may not be consciously aware of it, but I think sending it back to them over time really helps to get them in the right frame of mind. Mm -hmm. Small cosmic nudges. That's right. Small cosmic nudges. So when did you first connect with tarot and divinatory practices? Like, was it around the same time you started Spirit Element or has tarot been in your life for a while? I was reading tarot for maybe three or four years before I started Spirit Element. Um, At the same company that I was working for with Woman Athena, there was a woman there named Lillian, who I'm still really good friends with, who um, reads tarot. And she would walk around with her tarot deck. And at the time, you know, I'd only really seen it in movies. I wasn't really introduced to it. And I just asked her, I was like, hey, Lillian, you know, do you mind giving me a tarot reading? I've never had one. And she goes, sure, let's go to Starbucks. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to be in Starbucks, like pulling out these tarot cards. But she started (laughs) pulling the cards out and they were just so accurate. Like I was blown away. And at the time I didn't really know Lillian well. I think we had known each other for like three weeks or something like that. So, you know, some of the things she was talking about, there's no way she could have known any of this information. And I was just like, like, oh my God, this is incredible. So I went um, to Barnes and Noble that day and I bought uh, an Oracle deck, the Halloween Oracle deck, as a matter of fact, it's so funny that my first Oracle deck was a Salon Oracle deck. Um, I bought it and I started using it and I just like fell in love with it immediately. And then I bought a tarot deck like two weeks later and then I fell in love with that immediately. And um, this was before Thanksgiving that year. And so I was at my parents' house and my sister was there and I was like in my um, bedroom at my parents' house, like pulling tarot cards quietly to myself. And she comes blaring through the door and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I am like using tarot cards. And she was like, really? I want to read it. Give me one. So I was like, well, I don't know it well, but I'm, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. And I'm like pulling cards and reading from the guidebook. 
And she's like, actually, this is pretty good. Like give everybody in the family a reading. So I spent that whole day like reading for everyone in my family. And then come to find out um, my dad had read tarot like in his 20s. He like got into some group in Malibu and was reading tarot cards with them all the time. But he never shared it until I like popped up with this tarot deck. And to me, that just felt like a sign, right? It just felt like a sign, like this was something that I needed to do. And everyone was saying how good the tarot readings was. And when I think, when I look back at my notes now, I'm like, oh my God, I can't even believe I said some of this stuff. But um, (laughs) at the moment, it just, it felt like home. You know, you know, when you have those moments Mm -hmm. where you pick something up and it just feels so good and it just feels like it's supposed to be with you. uh, Tarot felt like that for me. And I just, I've been doing it ever since. It's more like a, like a remembering instead of like uh, sitting down to study almost. Yeah, because even now when I reflect on my notes, like I think, oh my God, that was like a terrible interpretation. But at the time, you know, it felt so genuine and authentic and it was authentic for where I was at the time, but it's just remarkable, like how confident I felt doing it right from the get-go. Like I never really had a moment where I didn't feel like I knew what I was talking about. Um, so it just, it was it must've been something that was in my soul that was just meant for me to have. And then what was the process like creating your first deck? Oh, creating my first deck was really fun and really terrifying. Um, (laughs) It was, it got started really easily. You know, when we first started conceptualizing, we knew exactly what we wanted to say. We knew what we wanted the images to look like. So that part was super easy. But writing the deck, I think, was very intimidating for me um, because as someone who reads tarot and oracle, I'm thinking of it from a customer's perspective. And I'm like, oh, my God, would I enjoy reading this? So I kind of got stuck in my head a little bit. Um, So for the first couple of weeks, I was just like sitting at my computer with full on writer's block. But then I started writing one card and another card. And next thing I know, it just kind of like all came out. And it was like I channeled something from something else and it just flowed out onto the page. Um, and it's uh, it kind of felt like reading tarot for the first time. You know, it was one of those moments where after I got over the initial hurdle, it was just like the words were there and I'm running with it. And then putting it out into the world was really scary too. But then people started talking about how you know, connected to this deck they were and how meaningful this deck is to them. I still get comments all the time where people are saying, you know, I love this deck more than any deck that I own. It really resonates with my soul. And that just, to me, it just is the best compliment I can ever, ever, ever get to, to know that I created something that really resonates with people in that way. And that was always the intention from the beginning. It's just to give people a tool that helps them to grow. Um, it's really remarkable. So, yeah. I love that. Kate and I talk about archetypes a lot and um, tarot is full of them, as you know. And I'm just wondering which archetypes call to you and how do you work with them in your craft? Well, speaking from a tarot perspective, my favorite, favorite tarot archetype is the queen of wands and the emperor. Um, I love those two cards. I love just the meaning behind them. I love the motivation and the ambition and the inspiration behind them. Um, and I think it, but those cards probably really resonate with me because my Aries sign is, uh, sorry, my Mars sign is in Aries. Um, and my Mercury sign is in Scorpio. And I have like 
a lot of planets in the 10th house. So ambition and, and just motivation and drive, all of those things really resonate with me when I read tarot and I'm looking for motivation. Um, and I love to, I love to pull like a tarot or Oracle card and just to sit and meditate with it and, and just ask my guides, what do I need from this card? What do I need from this archetype or this energy that can help me today or this week or in my business? And archetypes is something that's very near and dear to me. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Carolyn Miss, but she has, yes, she's fantastic, right? She does all of this work on archetypes and I love the way she presents it and how archetypes can change and adapt. And, you know, one archetype might come up one way and another archetype might come up another way. And it's, it's funny you would bring up archetypes because it seems like something that's also like very deep in my soul, my therapy work focuses a lot around archetypes. I, we, I do a system called internal family systems and therapy. And it's very similar as archetypes that come up throughout your, your life and that kind of protect you and aid you and guide you and all of that. So for me, archetypes, it's kind of like the work. I think whenever I talk about Mm -hmm. something, I'm always talking about it from an archetype perspective. And even when I write tarot readings, I do weekly tarot readings on Sunday um, on my Instagram page. I always say, you know, this archetype, this energy is telling you, like I approach it as if it's a friend giving you advice or a friend who you look up to. And I think that's a great way of making spiritual work less overwhelming, at least for me, if that makes sense. I love how there's like both light and shadow aspects to all the archetypes as well, which like is really like a demonstration of the both and of everything. And I think that it's such a beautiful reminder to work with. Yeah, for sure. I know in addition to um, Oracle decks, you also make other products um, over at Spirit Element. And I absolutely love this tarot-inspired roller. I think I have like the High Priestess mm-hmm. um, rollerball. I think it might have been in a Tamed Wild box a while back, if I'm not mistaken. Or I might have bought it on their site. Um, but I'm curious, with these type of products, um, you know, plant-based and scent, is it similar to creating oracle decks or is it more spontaneous? You know, where do you, where do the ideas come from? Uh, you know, it's pretty involved actually. Um, it, and it is similar to creating oracle decks, right? Because when you create an oracle deck, you're attempting to put you, this idea of an energy or an archetype or a concept onto a page. So I'm doing the same thing with a product. Like when I was doing the tarot inspired rollers, I was really, really heavy into tarot at the time and just like leaning on it very heavily. And I wanted a way to represent the tarot cards I was working with in an everyday way without actually having to carry around the tarot deck or to look at the card, you know? So when I started creating it, I just wanted like an energetic reminder of what I wanted to work on at the time. So it's just like carrying a crystal in your pocket, but instead of a crystal, you know, you're just smelling your wrist periodically and you know that this oil is called the high priestess and then you're like, okay, I know I'm supposed to sit here and I'm supposed to work through whatever is happening without, you know, knowing the destination. Like I just have to know by experience. So that's the way that I approach making products. They're 
they're intention reminders. They're just a way for you to have a moment of awareness to where you remember, okay, yes, this is important for me. This is what I have throughout, throughout the day. And there's multiple ways to do it. I mean, you can really make a product, in my opinion, for any energy. It's just about channeling the intention the correct way. And I'm actually in the process of writing a book about like making products based on intention and spell work and all of that, because I think it's really overwhelming sometimes to pull a tarot card or to do all of these things and feel like, oh my God, what do I do next? And it's, it's really just as simple as just reminding yourself throughout the day that this is important for you. Mm -hmm. And you also run an online school called School of Sacred with Mm -hmm. the goal of supporting others on their spiritual journey. So can you share a little bit more about this space? Yes. So the School of Sacred I started because I see all the time. We see like um, blog posts, like 10 ways to be a witch or, you know, 10 things you must have to be a witch. And I think, um, I think for a while that really worked. I think, you know, as the witch community grows, we kind of just had to get started. But now we're at this place to where I feel everyone is kind of collectively moving towards a more authentic practice and understanding that witchcraft really shows up for different people in many different ways. So I created the School of Sacred as a way to kind of outline a spiritual practice that you can fill in the blank with whatever resonates with you and kind of take away the pressure of feeling like being a witch means you have to wear all black or being a witch means you have to have like vintage apothecary bottles. Like it's totally fine if you want to do that, but it's also totally fine if you want to be like very minimal in your practice, or if you know, you don't want to read tarot cards, or if the idea of walking in the forest really creeps you out because you hate bugs, you know, (laughs) I just want, I wanted to empower people to feel like they can show up for their spiritual practice in whatever way really serves them, as long as they're not hurting anybody So that's the framework for the school. The way that I teach things is all about here's a guideline and here's ways that you can expand upon the guideline based on your goals, your needs, and what you feel is appropriate for you. I think that's one of the biggest questions we get on the podcast is kind of like that, where do I start and then where do I go? Exactly. And I get that question a lot too. I mean, I always have people, particularly people who haven't been doing this for a long time going, you know, how do I start a spiritual practice or how do I start doing X or how do I start doing Y? And there's a bunch of information about the what, not necessarily the how, you know, there's a bunch of information about use this herb for love, but it's like, how do I use this herb? What do I do with it? Am I supposed to drink it? Am I supposed to sleep with it? I don't really know. Um, So we, I think we're just at that moment in this growth of the witch community where we have to dive in deeper and really figure out what's important and get away from the superficial witchcraft to really identifying witchcraft as a lifestyle because this, and, and, you know, to be fair, we see this popping up on social media all the time. There's a lot of people who jumped on the witchcraft trend and realized it wasn't what they thought it was. And now they're kind of like, moving away from it. And in my opinion, witchcraft isn't something you can pick up and sit down. It's really something that's a part of you and something that you have to nurture and nourish and give space to grow. So I that is what I intend with the school is that I can provide a space where people feel like they can learn and grow in a way that's appropriate for them and wherever they're at. 
Do you have any advice for someone looking to begin a witchy business or even just connect further with their intuition? For starting a witchy business, I would say start it. Don't wait until you're ready. Um, because starting a business is hard, but it's also very, very beautiful and it's fun. And if I had waited until I was ready or until I felt like I had enough money or enough followers, then I never would have gotten anywhere. And it's in the growing of the business that I learned so much. Um, but following your intuition, my favorite way to work on intuition is to carry an intuition journal, just a little small notebook. Um, and if you get an intuitive ping throughout the day, just write it down. You don't even have to process it. Just write it down. If you see a color and you think, huh, that color feels significant. It probably is. Write it down and then go through it at the end of the week and just review all of the intuitive things you have and see how it fits into your life. And you may have to do some research. Like if you see an animal or something, you may have to look up the, the meaning behind it. But I guarantee the more you do that, the more you'll start to see like, holy shit, my intuition has been telling me things this whole time and it's totally right. And I just wasn't paying attention to it. Um, and it's a super easy practice to do, even just keeping a note on your phone, but record those intuitive pings because if they're popping up, it's probably meaningful, even if you don't know it. And it, it will change your intuitive practice completely. Thank you. And where can our listeners find your work? Well, you can always find me um, at shopspirituelement.com, which is where I sell all of my magical and witchy potions. I'm on Instagram as Spirit Element. And then, of course, you can check out all of my oracle decks and affirmation decks, which are available at any major bookseller, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, all of the book depository, all of the major bookstores. Spirituality and witchcraft is such a beautiful thing. And, you know, going back to an earlier point of there being light and darkness and all of that, it's very true. But there's so much beauty to be found in just listening to your soul. I'm still blown away by some of the things that happen as a result of me being a spiritual person. To share a nugget, actually, I'm getting ready to start a new company. And it wasn't like it was a complete surprise. It wasn't even something I was working on. It kind of just dropped in my lap. And thinking back to an intention I set two years ago, for this very company. And I kind of just set the intention and, you know, let it go out into the universe. And I said, I'll get to it when I get to it. But then here it, it's coming full circle and the universe literally found a way to just drop it on my path. Um, so I would say, you know, don't doubt your magic. You don't doubt what you're doing. Don't doubt your soul. Don't doubt your dreams. If you have these dreams, it's for a reason. The universe gave it to you because they felt you were capable of doing it. I love to say that why would the universe waste, waste its time giving you a dream if it didn't think you were capable of achieving it? So if ever you feel like you're not getting anywhere, just, just take a beat and, and think about it and slow down and remember that you're a sacred being and you can do whatever you want and you can be amazing at it. I'm proof. I am 100% proof. I started Spirit Element with $100, like $100. Can you believe it? And now all these years later, like I've made more than a million dollars in sales. And it is just fantastic to think that you can start from literally zero and create a whole new world for yourself. That's amazing. Congratulations yeah, thank also. You. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here today and for sharing that. Yeah, I, 
I hope that there will be more spiritual entrepreneurs as the years go on. I think we really can take over the world if we put our minds to it. I really believe that a spiritual-based business is going to be the new model sometime over the next few generations. Um, And I think that there's no other way to do it. You know, I think the way the businesses have been running up until this point have been flawed. And I actually think intuitively running a business is the right way. So it's my hope that more, more witches will pop up on the circuit. We need you, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We do. The world needs you. Don't doubt it. Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we are Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizzie. You can find us online at K8Ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on our Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Tune into next week's episode where we continue our witchy business series and speak with our very own Kate Ballou about witchy social media and magical marketing. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be.